0: Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church located in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you will hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a message from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to see
1: you, and uh, thanks for being here today. It's a joy to continue week number two of our series here, Christmas at Celebration. So hopefully you enjoy uh it was hot. Is it hot chocolate out in the lobby today? Awesome. Way to go. I have my same tea as always, but hope you enjoy that and uh, you could be there. So we're going to be talking about peace here today. It's week number two. Thanks for your prayers. It was a very full week and I uh, just need my voice to hold up one more service here today. Uh, I was in the office Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, but then in the afternoon spent time interviewing uh, 12 new ministers who feel called to preach the gospel. And uh, we had like uh, a team dinner. We had uh, a sixth grade band concert. Because we're online, I'm not saying nothing else. We had a sixth grade band concert. Uh, prayer gathering on Wednesday night. Uh, Thursday, we got to host 62 pastors from around the metro area for a lunch, a Christmas lunch. And so appreciate Jack and the whole kitchen team that made that happen. And then Thursday night, we had our 50 plus banquet. Same people made that happen. We had prime rib at both meals. So that was awesome. Turkey also, but uh, thanks so much for that. And then yesterday, Friday and Saturday, uh, I was able to pick up out in Garrison. We were up in Alexandria at the district campground, talking to 16 other churches about what God's been doing in our church, helping them grow in their church, and uh, sharing resources that we've been able to make this year. Not the least of which is our first 30 booklet, helping other uh, churches make disciples who make disciples. And so it's a joy that we have to share with others what God is doing here. Amen. And so uh, now we're ready to go, and uh, we look forward. This is week number two of our Christmas at celebration series and uh, so we know celebration church is going to be a repeat of the intro last week next week it'll be the same intro to it because every week we have people who come for the first time and so uh people at celebration or maybe you're here today watching online from different walks of life, different backgrounds, right? Some people grew up in a liturgical church. It's been a little bit different for me being up here in Minnesota. That might mean a lot of people grew up in a Catholic or Lutheran church. And you know what an advent wreath is all about. If you did not grow up in one of those type of churches, you might think this wreath belongs on your front door. Right, So there's different things, but so Advent really just means coming. And so we're looking forward. They were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. We're now looking forward to his coming again. And so we focus on that. The center candle stands for Jesus. And then we've got hope. Peace, joy, and love is well around it. And most of the time, we would light the Jesus candle at, at the last service, a Christmas Eve service. But this week, Christmas Eve is our fourth service, and it's also our last service, just the way the calendar is So I'm going to light the Jesus candle first, which is okay, because it's a man-made tradition. There's actually no Bible verse that says you have to do five weeks on hope, joy, peace, love, and Jesus leading up to Christmas. I don't know if you knew that. You might have grown up in a church that you felt like it was in the Bible. It's not. Let me give you a few more things that are not in the Bible that we do around Christmas. And I'm not talking about Santa. I'm going to say like your nativity set. How many people have a nativity set at your house? You know, a little, little baby Jesus and a manger. You might wait till the very end to put them out. I don't know, but you got shepherds, you got animals, you got a wood stable, and you've got some wise men. Little problem, biblically speaking, the wise men were not there when Jesus was born. <laughs> like two years later, so he was a toddler, which makes it all the more that somebody gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right, as, as a little, little toddler. So that, that's okay, but that's just a tradition. We've got lots of other traditions, right? How many people you grew up opening at least one gift on Christmas Eve? That's awesome. How many people you had to wait till Christmas? We feel sorry for you. That's a bummer, right? Be nicer to your kids. Let them get something. I don't know, whatever it is. So there's different traditions. And so we would, uh, we're going to shift. And we're going to light the Jesus candle, the center candle, first. As I mentioned last week, Pastor Vicente set up in Celebration Espanol. They always light the candle first. And I was like, that's wrong. He's like, no, it's okay. <laughs> so we're going to do it too. We're going to join Celebration Espanol because this is week number two. So we're going to light that Jesus candle. But because in the first service, the candles burn so quickly... I'm going to wait to light until after I read the scriptures and pray because I'm telling you, end of first service, it was just like I had to just end the service quick because the candles, something was going to end, you know? And so we went with the service instead of our building, and uh, that was awesome. But uh, so we're talking about peace today. By the way, next week, you don't want to miss it. I don't think you want to miss any week, but next week we'll talk about joy and uh, celebration. Kids will be in. They're going to have, I think it's like a 20 minute production or something, but I'm still going to preach. It'll just have to be a little bit shorter. It's going to be an awesome time. Don't miss it. It's it's going to be great. All right. Isaiah chapter nine. If you have your Bible, you could turn there. If you're able, would you stand? Let's read it together. And uh, if not, we're going to have it right on the big screen for you. And uh, today we're talking about peace. I don't know if you were here last week. We experienced the presence of God in such a real and tangible way. I've been receiving messages all week about what God did in many of your lives and encouraging your spirits and souls and bodies. And so last week we talked about hope And uh, we believe that because of Jesus, we have hope. And we talked about three things last week, hope for inner healing, hope for physical healing, and hope for eternal salvation. And in case you missed it, I just encourage you to go back and watch it. But we believe those are different things, but Jesus paid the price for them all. Just because you pray a prayer of salvation doesn't mean you can't get sick or you won't struggle with things. Doesn't mean you don't have some trauma or some inner wounds that, that you got to deal with and let God come and heal you of those. But but they're real things and Jesus paid for them all. So that was all about hope. Today we're talking about peace. Isaiah chapter nine, uh, verses two three. 6 and 7, read like this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. That's what we talked about hope last week, right? Our nation, our society's stumbling, uh, hitting our toes in darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. This will be our verse next week. They have rejoiced before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end, our verse for today. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever forever. And it's the zeal of the Lord Almighty that will accomplish this. Talking about peace here today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather and lift high the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We ask Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying today. Help nobody leave the same, but everybody leave with more peace because of Jesus. And we ask it in that name. And everybody said, Amen. amen, amen. You may be seated. Well, as I mentioned, we're lighting the peace candle today, but it's all because of Jesus. So now we're going to light this one first. The Jesus candle, everything we have is because of Jesus. Last week was hope. And we've got that hope. Hope you're living with that every day. And then today, we now also have peace. Peace is one of those things that everybody wants. But very few people could clearly define it or explain how to get it or more importantly, how to keep it. The dictionary has this to say about peace. They define it as freedom from or stopping of war, freedom from public disturbance or disorder, freedom from disagreement or quarrels, a whole lot of freedom in their definition. By the way, I think there's a whole lot of freedom in peace as well, and we'll get to that a little bit later. It says harmony or concord, uh, an undisturbed state of mind, absence of mental conflict, calm, quiet And tranquility. Is it any wonder, listening to that definition, why it seems peace is in such short supply today? People are overrun with disturbed state of mind. They're overrun with mental conflict and inner turmoil. Someone once said that peace is the brief, glorious moment in history when everybody stands around reloading. But the truth is people, you and I, all of us seem to struggle to get along with each other. We fight and we bicker and that's not just our children. (laughs) We criticize each other. We tear each other down and on our own without Christ, sometimes even with him it seems, that we have difficulty living in harmony and peace with one another. But the truth is, it should not surprise us if we lack peace with one another if we lack peace with him. But I submit to you this morning, because we have Jesus, we have peace. And the peace we have in him ought to translate into peace in our daily lives. So let's talk about that peace here from Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 7. Number one, this is peace that will not end. It says the first sentence, I'm going to divide this verse up into the three sentences here. It says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. I don't know about you, but whenever I read the word government, peace is not exactly the first word I think of. So we need to take note of the differentiating word in that sentence. It's not our government. But it's his government that brings peace that will not end. As mentioned, most people uh, will describe peace as the absence of conflict and problems. It's estimated, according to Google, so it must be right, that the hist- in the history of humanity, less than 8% of recorded history can be described as times of peace. of recorded history involves conflict between one people group and another or within the same people group. In the last 32 centuries, there have been fewer than 300 years of peace. Historians tell us in the last 300 years alone, there have been almost 300 wars in Europe. And from 1500 BC to AD 1860, more than 8,000 treaties of peace were signed, each meant to remain in force forever. But it's interesting to note that the average length of time that they actually remained in place was just under two years. They would sign an agreement, oh, we're sorry, we're going to be nice forever. And two years later, they're like, let's go fight them again. Even now, we recognize this, right? The ongoing war in Ukraine, the conflict, murders, war crimes in Israel. It's a present reality. So much so, there are so many conflicts, so many wars, so many struggles that unless it rises to the level of a world war, we almost carry on with our lives as if the conflict was over. And it's only when our lives become impacted as it was this week, this past week when we sadly had to cancel our global trip to Israel coming up in March. And it's like, well, I guess it's real. I mean, we know it's real, but it's not really real until it impacts our lives or as though that's how we live. Peace seems to be in short supply here, there, and everywhere. And if peace, is merely the absence of conflict and problems, then we most likely will never have peace. Because as long as there are people, (laughs) there will always be conflict. Some of you think, well, if I could just be by myself. Have you noticed I have conflict with myself sometimes? (laughs) The apostle Paul had internal conflict. He's like, I wanna do stuff and I don't do it. And I don't wanna do stuff and I do. And that's part of the human condition. It's not just your neighbor. Don't look at them if you're married to them, that you have conflict with, right? This is who we are. So I'm thankful today, friends, that peace does not come by getting rid of our problems. Because just when we get rid of those problems, we got new problems ahead. But rather we get peace when we focus our thoughts on God. Peace doesn't come with the absence of the storm. It comes in the middle of the storm knowing that Jesus is right there with us. This is what we notice when we worship and we lift high the name of Jesus. When we come into the presence of Almighty God, it doesn't mean that we don't still have problems, but we have peace in the middle of those problems right? We've talked about it. It doesn't mean we we don't still get sick or don't battle those things, but we have peace on the inside that says, although I'm still out of work, although I've still received this diagnosis, although you can fill in the blank, I have peace because of Jesus. A first century philosopher and I butchered his name in the first service, so I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> he wrote this uh, about the Roman peace that existed in the civilized world. Caesar had made a pro- proclamation about it. But he said this, the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, but he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. What was this philosopher saying? Whoever's in charge on earth can say you won't be fighting, but he can't give you Peace. There's something on the inside. He went on to say, he cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns for even more than outward peace. Shalom. If you grew up in church, you might've heard this word. It's the Hebrew word for peace. We we can understand that to be a, a very famous and common greeting in the Hebrew culture. Much like if you're in Hawaii, they would say aloha. It means hello and goodbye, Shalom is all about peace. But it means more than just the absence of conflict. It comes with it this idea of wholeness and completeness, tranquility in the soul on the inside that is unaffected by outward circumstances or pressures. It indicates that this dominating peace will eventually lead to prosperity of your soul. Isn't that interesting? Rather than allowing the difficulties and pressures of life to break us, people who are possessed by true peace, by true shalom, will become whole, complete, orderly, stable, and even poised for blessing. And that is the peace, the shalom, that we have in Christ. I love this. I read this from a famous author, theologian, Leonard Sweet. He said this a little while back, and I saved it for just the right time. And now that I'm preaching on peace, I think it's that right time. He said, in the Hebrew tradition, uh, the highest blessing is shalom. And they say, he says, you can either say, go with shalom, or if the person is sick in spirit or body, you can say, go to shalom. What is he saying? Some days we go with shalom. We receive in the presence of God and we go out the rest of our days in our life and we leave with peace having been in his presence. But there are other days that we're sick in body, that we're going through struggle and those are go to shalom days. That we go to the presence of God and that is where we receive his presence. But he says, either way, every day is a shalom day whether we go with Shalom or we go to Shalom, Every day is a day that we have opportunity to enjoy the peace that only Jesus gives. Well, you may be wondering, well, Pastor, how do I have that peace that will not end? How do I have a lasting peace this Christmas season? Let me share with you the words of the Apostle Paul that he wrote to the church in Philippi. It's in your Bible, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. He said this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. By the way, I've noticed that when I pray very little, I worry a whole lot. And if I've been worrying a whole lot, if I just begin to pray, my worry begins to decrease. It doesn't mean in prayer that all of our situations change in a moment, but our perspective does. As we're aligned to a heavenly perspective, we begin to see things and understand them in a way that we can only do through prayer. Why? Because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And it's in prayer that we get a glimpse into that heavenly perspective. Paul goes on to say, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I'm so looking forward in in a few minutes, well, a number of minutes, but in a while when I'm done, we're gonna pray one for another. We're gonna pray for that peace. We're gonna tell God what we need, but we're gonna pray for that peace. And I believe that peace is gonna guard our hearts and minds as we leave here living in Christ Jesus, amen. These verses tell us not to worry about anything but to pray. Notice that it doesn't say if you don't worry and pray, God will instantly change all your circumstances so there's nothing left to worry about. That's not trust, that's faith, right? And faith is necessary. Sometimes God does and want to miraculously change our circumstances, and we pray and believe for that. Still today, can I get a good amen? But if that's how it was every time, then what would we do with when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, oh God, I don't wanna be crucified. I don't wanna die. He said, if there's any way, let the cup pass. But what did he really pray? In peace that only my father can give. He said, not my will, but thine be done. And I remind you the circumstances surrounding Jesus' life did not change in the prayers that he prayed that night. Jesus would still be betrayed, put on trial, beaten, crucified for you and for me, would be placed in a tomb, but three days later would be resurrected by the power of God. Later, he would go back to the Father. His circumstances didn't change, but he had peace. Then in the middle of the darkest moment of his life, he knew God was with him. And this is peace that you and I have when we pray. We can have peace that will not end. Number two... We have peace that's rooted in justice and righteousness. Points one and two, I mean, they all kind of go together because it's one verse, but let me continue to read it here today. It says, He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. It's easy for us, 2023, joining other believers, to read this as we sit here in America, to read these verses with an American understanding, worldview. When we read in the previous verse, government, there will be no end. When we read about righteousness from that time on and forever, it's easy for us to be trapped in an American cycle of four years, Democrats versus Republicans, it's going to get better, it's going to get worse, and we, just, we find ourselves stuck in that moment of repeat. But I remind you here, we see this little word that better explains it to our English understanding, our American perspective, that really we're talking about his kingdom, more than our government. His kingdom is eternal. His way of being is eternal. And the government, governments rise and fall. I was thinking of it this time throughout the week. I was thinking that there are hundreds of governments in our world today, but there are only two kingdoms. which therefore reminds us that kingdom is higher than government. Now we can be so trapped, consumed, paralyzed, confronted with the realities uh, of election cycles and different things, and and we ought to be involved and participate in all that. but, but, But have you noticed that the political system does not grant us peace? There's no magic lever that the person you voted for wins. All of a sudden you have peace. I've noticed peace is on short supply for anything government related. And yet we lie to ourselves or let other people lie to us. We're like, this time it's going to be different. I mean, in another year, we're going to be like, oh, it's about to change. I'll prophesy. Peace will still not come to our land. Through the political system. Listen, again, I'm saying, get involved, participate. I'm not belittling that kind of stuff. I'm just saying we got to know what we're signing up for. And that peace only comes from Jesus. When you put your hope in something that's destined to fail. I mean, think about history of mankind. Think about what's going on in our world. Government is always up for a power grab, a power struggle, whether that's through voting, whether that's through fighting, right? We, we understand that. We, we think we can legislate it or vote on it or take it by force. Government, but kingdom operates on a whole new plane. And there's only two kingdoms. Some of you are like, what? kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God operates with justice and righteousness What does the kingdom of darkness operate? Satan, the one who thought he was worthy of worship as well, that kingdom, he only has three main goals, steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he does all the time. Notice stealing, killing, and destroying would be opposite to justice and righteousness. So I remind all of us, let's just pay attention. Let's participate in ways that lead to his kingdom and not the kingdom of darkness. Kingdom and government are not the same. Kingdom is far greater. Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full. So when you wonder, well, does what, what that life to the full? What does that peace-filled life look like? I believe it looks like justice and righteousness now and forever. It will not end. It seems to me today, people, dare I say, even some Christians, of course not you, but maybe people in a different service, but don't really want Jesus to be their Lord. They just want him to be their Savior. Jesus' as Savior is like, we all want to celebrate that. Oh, he forgives me of my sin. He makes me new. He paid the price I couldn't pay. Ooh, I love him as my Savior. I want to pray the prayer. But Jesus' as Lord means we live differently after praying that prayer. When he's like, oh, don't respond that way to that other person. That's Jesus' as Lord. When we focus just on Jesus as Savior, like, oh, well, it's the grace of God. I can say what I want. Spoiler alert, you probably shouldn't. But Jesus as Lord means I'll say what he wants me to say. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit means we don't live for our own desires anymore. We don't walk the way we want to and respond the way that we've been accustomed to for our lifetime, but we've changed for the better because of the power of God now living in us. But that's a struggle, a constant struggle for us, by the way, because humans, we love control. But Jesus is Lord means we surrender, we give up control to him. But we're filled, our lives are filled with desires and activities to acquire power, in an attempt to control what happens around us. I believe most of us, myself, I raised my hand first, would gladly accept the power to change all the traffic lights around us. That mine would always be green. And if that means yours are red, so be it. I'm not doing it to hurt you. I'm just saying, my life would be easier if I just knew mine are green. By the way, I'd settle for just encouraging people at a green light to go, you know what I mean? Like, I can't tell you how often I'm sitting at a stoplight and I can tell somebody's updating their Facebook page (laughs) and they're not paying attention. I'm like, green means go, I learned it as a kid. By the way, if somebody wants this invention, I think cars should have two different horns. One that's a nice one, boom, put your phone down. Let's go back to driving, you know. And another one is like, you're about to get in my lane. Stay over. We don't want to get in an accident. I'm just saying it feels a little aggressive. It's the same horn either way. It's like English. I I love pepperoni pizza and I love my wife. And I feel like (laughs) I could have a different explanation because it feels weird to communicate my feelings for my partner in life the same way I do to Pizza Hut. Feels that way in the car horn. You know, it's just like, put your phone down. You're in an accident, right? Like different horns. That's a good invention. Take that. If you make money on it, tithe, get to King of Builders. That'd be awesome. But your pastor gave you the idea. How about the ability to pick the right line at Costco? I just feel like I'm standing there and I'm just filled with anxiety because I could tell people are passing me and I'm like, why did I get. The trainee. (laughs) You know, I was thinking nothing's worse than picking the wrong line at Costco, but there is something worse. It's picking the wrong gas line at Costco. (laughs) This is a public service announcement. It's not in my notes, but I just feel like I want to help you today. There's three pumps at Costco. What I'm going to need you to do is pull all the way up, sir, (laughs) so the rest of us can file in and then we're going to leave together. If you see somebody filling, they're about to put the, the, the pump back, don't cut them off. Let them leave. We'll file in together because your time is not more important than mine. Let's all act like civilized humans. Thank you. Let me get back to my notes because I don't know what I had to say, but my soul feels better. I've been unburdened today by talking with you, sure. How about getting a front row parking spot at Mall of America? Maybe better. Maybe not even the need to go to Mall of America. They just bring it to me, whatever it is, right? We would all think that our lives would be joy-filled if we had those things happen, but the truth is we'd probably just be happy because things went our way. But all of us have lived long enough to know next week or next year, everything won't go our way. So what do we do when our stoplight's red? We go from happy to mad. Because it wasn't joy. It was just happiness. And here we see, if we want peace, it's got to be in us. Not just things went the way we wanted them to. Not just because our team won or our candidate did. I'm I'm just saying we've got to have something bigger. We've got to have something greater. And this is what Jesus offers. It's his government, right? It's this kingdom that is not ours. It's not intended to control the circumstances around us, but to control what happens within us. You know, we can have peace in his kingdom regardless of what happens to us. Sadly, many Christians have reduced peace in the kingdom of God to getting their way. And if that's how you're living, I have bad news for you, friends. It's going to get worse. I've read the Bible. I've studied history enough to tell you it's going to get worse. However, for those who've received Jesus, we can have peace that even as things spin darker and darker, get more out of control, our peace is not impacted by the problems around us. That's right. right. Our schedule might be impacted. Our plans might be shifted. But our peace is secure because our peace is in him. Missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, once said, Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Well, that that hits home for a lot of us, right? The Jews were longing for a ruling king to come and overthrow the Roman government. They were anticipating a conquering savior to come and let them be in charge for once. (laughs) They were excited about gaining control and power that they'd been on the short end of the stick for their whole lives. But Jesus didn't come to provide those things for them. He came to provide something better. And I want you to know, friends, there's great comfort and peace from not being in control. If you're renting your residence and the HVAC goes out, you might be cold for a couple of days, but you don't have to pay to have it repaired. That's the landlord's responsibility, the one who owns the place. Have you ever rented a car? There's joy in knowing you're turning it back in. You're like, it's two days later. Somebody say, drive it like you stole it. I'm like, drive it like you rented it. You didn't know, just enjoy it for two days. You give it back, and you're like, I don't know, hurts your problem, not mine. <laughs> By the way, have you noticed that really everything in our lives, we've just rented it for the weekend? Yeah. Like, in light of eternity, our 70, 80, 90, 100 years, it's really just like a weekend rental. Why in the world are we so consumed, concerned, overloaded with things that in a few years, we're just gonna turn the keys back in? We ought to care and prioritize that which will last forever says here, we have peace that will not end. There's justice and righteousness that will be no end. Like, let's focus on that. Let's prioritize that which we're going to need and enjoy forever and just be a little bit less worried, anxious, and we're just going to turn the keys back in anyway. And this is the offer that Christ makes to us. It's his government that will rule and reign over our lives. And we can experience peace like never before when we simply surrender control of our lives to him. I'm telling you, I believe your spirit will change when your prayers change with that understanding. give you this example. Maybe your car has broken down. You're like, oh God, my car's broken down. I don't know what I'm gonna do versus if you were to pray, God, the car you gave me broke down. I'm not sure what you're going to do. Right. If he takes care of birds of the field and flowers in the field, yes. again, it's 2023. That's not to say you're lazy. You're like, well, you figure it out, God, come on. Go to work. I don't know, maybe pay for a repair. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm just saying your peace level will change when you remind yourself you're not the author and finisher of your own faith. You're not the one directing and guiding your own steps. We're following his leading and his guidance. And there is great peace in saying, God, your child's in need of a car. Just the way we'll understand that perspective will change what we understand. He's establishing and upholding it in justice and righteousness forever. I'm not sure that there's anybody else who can remain fair while creating and ruling. Say absolute power corrupts, absolutely. We tried to have a government with different checks and balances and I think most of us could easily agree that there are major flaws uh, in many parts of our system today but in his system, He not only created the system, he rules the system. He upholds things. It says, God does not show favoritism, Romans 2 and 11. He's no respecter of persons. The Lord loves righteousness and justice, Psalm 33, 5. The earth is full of his unfailing love. God's way, God's kingdom is full of justice and righteousness. Third and finally this morning, and then we're going to pray for each other. We can have peace in the promise. We can have peace in the promise. The last part of the verse, the last sentence there says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's important to know who's making the promise. My kids have made a lot of promises to me over over the years. A couple years ago when We were in between dogs. We didn't have one at the time. My kids were like, Dad, we promise if we get another dog, we'll take care of (laughs) him. Maury Povich just gave me the survey results. Turns out that's a lie. (laughs) They're not taking care of the dog. In between services, Madison, our 14-year-old, said, Dad, I have cleaned up after him. I was like, once, all right? I'll tell everybody they've done it once. I'm sure, maybe. I don't know, twice if I was gone. But... (laughs) But we've all made promises, right? I'm not even belittling the motives, right? We've made promises. God, if you'll help me pass this test, I'll study the next time. (laughs) God, if you'll just get me out of this problem, this mess, this circumstance, I won't ever go back to it again. Preacher jokes Saturday night across America during college football. They'll post pastors, I'm friends with pastors all across the country. They're like, Georgia Bulldog fans, we'll see you tomorrow making good on all those promises you made God. Alabama, you know, whatever it is. They just, everybody makes promises when we need them. And I think in that moment, we might even mean what we're saying. Unfortunately, most of the time, we fail to follow through on the promise we made. Our heart was in the right spot. We we're like, we don't wanna go, but, but we just, the promise is only as good as the one who makes it. And here we're learning that this promise is from the Lord Almighty. This promise to accomplish these things about peace through the kingdom and justice and righteousness, that, that promise is not from a pastor. That promise is not from a little kid. That promise is not somebody that wants to do their best. That promise is from the Lord Almighty. So we're looking and studying this week, the word zeal there in that text carried with it an understanding or a connotation of a jealous love as in a romantic relationship. One like a committed husband, a groom, jealous for his bride. I remind you, this is not like junior high relationship jealousy. (laughs) You ever seen that before? You're like, okay, whatever. But no, no, this is not that type of jealousy. This is one that is committed for the other, willing to sacrifice for the other. We read in scripture, right? Love your wife like Christ loved the church. Well, what did Christ do? He gave his life. So that's that sacrificial. Sacrificial jealous love that he's like, why would you look to anyone else besides me? That's what Jesus offers to us, right? And this is the way the zeal he's, he's passionate for us. He's like, I'm giving you my life. Why wouldn't you give me yours? And then he says, the Lord almighty, that word almighty carries with it this understanding of a commanding, a ruling general in the army. I love that idea. It's not just a, a soft, mishy-mushy, I don't know if that's the right word, but you know, lovey-dovey uh, you know, groom that's like, oh, I love you, I'll do whatever for you. It's also a dude that you don't want to mess with. It's like even Goliath would have been scared, right? Like the, the, the commander, the general, his love is strong and he backs it up. He's willing to fight for us. This is the type of God, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. He's got great strength as the commander of the army, but he's also got great love. That's his zeal. And we can have peace today knowing that because he's the one who made the promise and he's the one who said it will be accomplished, it means we don't have to strive for it. We don't have to work hard for it. We can rest easy. We can have peace knowing that it's gonna happen. Even when we don't see peace that doesn't end. Even when we don't see peace that's full of justice and righteousness, we can know, we can rest assured he will do it in his time. I mentioned at the 50 plus banquet on Thursday night, we all have hope when we receive a promise. We're like, oh, promise is going to take me on a roller coaster whatever. You know, we whatever. We have hope that we have heard a promise, but we have peace when we receive the promise. These people, when they heard the prophet Isaiah say, this is the Messiah, this is the one that's to come. I believe they were filled with hope in that moment. (laughs) But they were filled with peace when they realized who he really was. Now they missed him. They didn't understand because they thought conquering king and he was serving savior. They, They didn't fully understand it right away. But I'm telling you, friends, we have hope when we hear a promise, but we have peace when we see the promise fulfilled. If you're here, uh, for most of us, right, we're here, it's, it's the most hectic time of the year. We, there's that song, it's the most wonderful time of the year, but we all have extra things on our schedules and different things. We're overbooked and overloaded. However, no matter how full our schedule is, because of Jesus, we are offered peace. Amen. But if you're here and you're not right with God, it doesn't matter what your calendar looks like, every part of your being will lack peace if you are far from God, if you have not received the finished work of Jesus Christ. Maybe you aren't even in major conflict with your family. Maybe you have lots of friends at work, but if you're not right with God, you lack eternal peace. But in Christ Jesus, we can all have lasting peace, peace that passes understanding. Even if you receive a bad doctor's report, you can have lasting peace. Even if you lose your job, you can have lasting peace. Even if your team loses, you can have lasting peace. Even if your spouse or your kids go crazy, you can have lasting peace. Whatever struggle you're going through, whatever situation you find yourself in, you and I can enjoy lasting peace today because of Jesus. In a few moments, I want to read one final story and then we're going to pray. But if you're here and You lack peace. You you might be right with God. I'm just saying, but if there's area of your life that you need peace, last week as we prayed for physical miracles uh, in our time together, we're gonna pray that you'd receive peace. We got some people moving and we're gonna just pray and uh, we're gonna do that together. But I'm gonna have the team come out and I'm gonna read this story and then we're gonna pray for those that just need peace today. Just felt so strongly for you. Uh, We're gonna pray together. But in 1871, true story, 1871, a great fire struck the city of Chicago and the real estate holdings of a young man by the name of Mr. Spafford were all but destroyed. You may have known Mr. Stafford or of him, not, not known him, 1871. Okay, back to what I'm reading. Mr. Spafford was a Christian lawyer in that city and though much of what he owned was gone, he still maintained his faith in God. He knew that God was in control and he knew that God loved him. Two years later, Mr. Spafford and his wife decided to take their four young daughters to England for schooling since most of the schools in Chicago had not yet been rebuilt and they were not of the same quality that they could get overseas. And just before the boat was to leave, Mr. Spafford got called away on business, so he sent his wife and daughters ahead, intending to join them on the next boat. But in the middle of the ocean, the ship that Mr. Spafford's family was on collided with another ship and the ship sank to the bottom of the ocean, taking most of its passengers to their death. The death toll included all four of Spafford's daughters, but his wife, Mrs. Spafford was rescued from the seas and on the rescue boat, she sent a telegram back to her husband. The telegram said, saved alone. When Mr. Spafford received the message, the tragedy of the fire seemed nothing in comparison to what the telegram implied. Money and burned buildings could be replaced. But this message was that his children were gone. And it was through these dark clouds and despair that there shone into the heart of Mr. Spafford the bright light of God's promise, peace that could not be explained. It would be so difficult to articulate. But he knew in that moment, God would not forsake him in this trying hour, no matter what circumstances he faced. And with that assurance in his heart, Horatio Spafford wrote the famous song, It Is Well, With My Soul. I read to you the famous words and then we're gonna pray together. Whether your situation is as dire as Mr. Spafford's, but whatever struggle you've been facing, we pray that you're gonna leave with peace here today. He wrote these words, when peace, like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows, like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. So today we want to pray that you have the same peace that Horatio Spafford knew he had. The peace that only Jesus can provide. And we're going to pray for you here today. If you're here today with every eye open, nobody hiding out, if there's an area of your life, you need peace, would you just lift your hand? We wanna pray for you here today. We're gonna pray that you have peace. Sure, there's a few hands. I'm gonna ask you to stand if you're able, if you need peace in your life, if you just stand. We're gonna ask people in just a moment to move to you. We're gonna pray one for another here today. We're gonna pray for the Coleman's, they're moving. We're gonna pray for them, yeah, just stand up. You guys need peace too, you're moving, yeah. I see, where did the Thompsons go? Did I just see, are you guys moving too? What's up with that? Stand up, we're gonna pray for you too. Some people moving to the south, some people moving north. You guys need to figure it out, but one's going to be warmer, but we're going to pray for peace. All right, everybody look around and see people that are standing up. All right, let's just begin to move. Let's go out and let's put a hand on their shoulders. Let's pray for these people. Whatever's going on, we don't even really need to know, but God does. He knows what we need even before we ask, and we're going to pray that he would give peace. Some are moving, some have big decisions, some have things waiting heavy on their soul. I just want to give a moment to make sure everybody has somebody to pray. If you are standing and nobody's put a hand on your shoulder, would you just lift a hand? We want to make sure everybody has somebody. Anybody still need some? All right, everybody's got somebody. Let's just begin to pray for these brothers and sisters. And the team's going to lead us in a moment. But let's just pray that we would have peace. Father, we're lifting up every man and woman before you here today, every young person, boy and girl. We're asking that you would give them peace. Peace that passes their ability to understand. Some are walking through situations that are so tragic. They're walking through things that have been so horrific and so painful in their life. And today, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give them peace. We're asking, even though we don't know what's going on, we know you do. You know everything in their lives, everything that's going on. And we ask that you would grant them peace, not just changing their circumstances, not just changing what's taking place around them, but on the inside that you would deposit Peace in them that could not be shaken by the wind and the waves of this day. That could not be altered, could not be moved in these moments, but that it would be secure deep down inside. We pray that they would have the mind of Christ. Your word tells us that you'll keep them in perfect peace. And so we're praying right now, whatever's going on, whatever we don't understand, whatever questions we have, that you would grant them peace peace and we ask it in Jesus name here today for your children to have peace in every circumstance in every situation in the name of Jesus we ask it
0: we hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life if you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info@celebrationchurch.net. celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.